Wednesday, April 12th. It's five o'clock here in Salford. Welcome to the Richie Allen Show. How are you? It's uh, miserable here. It's horrible, but we have each other. That's all that matters. Reach out to me and talk to me today via the Richie Allen Show app or do it through the website richieallen.co.uk. Either way, I look forward to hearing from you. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Really looking forward to catching up with Mark Windows today. It's been a while. It's been quite a while. Love Mark. Windows on the world.net. He's back in the UK for a short time and said, while I'm here, Richie, why don't we have a chat? We'll, we'll do that. And again, your thoughts will be welcome during that conversation. Send them via the app, which is very easy to use, or via richieallen.co.uk. Mark Windows, uh, the guest today, this day, Wednesday, here in the great city of Salford. It is great. Like I said, it's been raining. Datsun Cogs. It's miserable on the Costa del Salford. The swimming pools are deserted around here. There are no towels on the sunbeds whatsoever. And Salford's lucky-lucky men are nowhere to be seen on the Costa del Salford. And I really wanted a new Rolex as well. It's a dirty old town today. It is nearly as dirty as Liverpool, but not quite okay. Leave it there, Baldy. Mark, windows later. Now, though, before I do get into the news or some of the news, let me read this, which came through the app from Stevie. How are you, Stevie? Thanks for your comment. He says, Richie, I tune into the show all the time. Always interested to hear your take on things, especially vaccines. Um, Have to say, I think you got it wrong on Gollywog Gate. I'm mixed race, says Stevie. When I went to school in the 80s, I was called Gollywog, Wog, the N-word and Chalky on a daily basis in school. I was also beaten up several times because of my skin colour. The dolls are offensive and part of a bygone era. Gollies cannot commit a hate crime, but when the landlady's husband is pictured wearing a Britain First t-shirt and then tweets, quote, we've got our gollywogs back, yay, they used to hang them in Mississippi years ago, end quote, it becomes pretty obvious that the dolls are displayed as a provocation. I'd implore you not to use the word wog anymore. It genuinely is offensive to many black people. Many thanks, uh, Steve. Steve, thanks for that brilliantly worded and um, cerebral message. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I used the word in context yesterday. It isn't a word I would ever use. I would never use that word and I certainly would never call a person of colour, you know, a name, any sort of name like that. So, so I get what you're saying on that. And there isn't any but. I'm not going to say but. Um, I did read today that the landlady's husband was once pictured in a Britain First t-shirt. That's Paul Golding. That's a right-wing kind of anti-immigrant group, isn't it? Yes. Um, did she really tweet out they used to hang them in Mississippi years ago? D- did the landlady really tweet that out? Because if so, well, that's pretty nasty, I would have said. But um, we'll look we'll look into that more. But I take the general point on the use of such terms. But I use it in context. I would say in my defence yesterday. Thanks, Steve. Excellent. Anytime you want to come on to talk about these issues on the show, I'll gladly make time for you because I am a white dude who opines on racism 
And I've said it a million times, if you'd like to come on to talk about it from the point of view of your own ethnicity, you might be black, you might um, come from, I don't know, sub-Saharan Africa, you might come from Asia, and or your, 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 your heritage might be from such parts of the world, and you'd like to come on and educate me, I'm only delighted to have you on. In fact, I look forward to it. Right, a new COVID variant is wreaking havoc in India, apparently. And according to the Mail Online, it's already in Britain. It's in Britain already. You remember this, we touched on this briefly last month, didn't we? Um, they've named it, dubbed it even Arcturus. Arcturus has been detected in the UK last month. And now almost 50 cases have been spotted. How do you spot the Arcturus? variant, or Arcturus variant even. Hospitals in India, says Mail Online, are now on red alert, with compulsory face masks being brought back in oh Jesus, in some states to curb exploding infection rates which have soared 13 fold in the last month. Arcturus is a spin-off of Omicron, which was a spin-off of the Kent variant I made that bit up, and is thought to be the most contagious variant yet. The UK Health Security Agency said the variant was already in the UK in its final variant report issued last month, UK Health Security Agency. Professor Paul Hunter, an expert in infectious diseases from the University of East Anglia, said it was too early to tell if Arcturus would cause a significant surge in cases in the UK. Professor Paul Hunter, eh? The UK Health Security Agency, eh? I think we should go to our celebrity panel to see what they make of it. Uh, Brian, shall we, who will we start with? Brian, Brian Cox? Fuck off. Yes, David Jason? You dipstick. Jennifer Grey? Yeah, right. Dry that one out, you can fertilise the lawn. Reese Ifans? You daft prick. What about Tom Cruise? Let me ask you something. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, our celebrities are unanimous in saying it's a load of old bollocks, the Arcturus variant. But what if they're wrong and the variant should rip through the country like Erling Haaland ripping through the Bayern Munich defence? What would we do then? But butter and whiskey will not cure. There's no cure for... And that's ultimately it, like butter and whiskey. Joe Biden is in Ireland. We're not going to talk about that, but he is in Ireland. Let's acknowledge it. Prince Harry will attend the coronation of his father, King Charles III. His actress wife and their two babies won't be travelling. It's just Prince Harry or the Duke of Sussex. Not going to talk too much about that either. Just letting you know that I am aware of what's trending on social media and on the legacy media. Seven minutes past the hour. Let's talk about something serious. Um... You, you will know by now, because it's been newsworthy for some time, that the husband of a BBC presenter who was killed by AstraZeneca's COVID-19 jab, he, he has said that taking legal action is his only option. We're talking about Gareth Eve here. His wife was Lisa Shaw, God love her. She worked for BBC Radio Newcastle a week after she got the jab in May 2021, the first one she died. He's tried to engage with the government. He tried to reach out to MPs and to three prime ministers. None of them came back to him because they are a shower of bastards. Every one of them. Because they have a lot to be ashamed of here, don't they? The jab pushers from 2020. The Department of Health says, well, all the vaccines went under robust trials. Yeah, Jennifer Grey, what was that? The vaccines underwent Robust trials? Yeah, right. 
Dry that one out, you can fertilise the lawn. That's right, of course they didn't. There is no long-term safety data for these jobs, right? So he's a father of one, is uh, Mr Gareth Eve. He's among a group of families who lost loved ones because they had the misfortune of taking an AstraZeneca jab, the Oxford AstraZeneca jab. God knows how many people it has killed. And don't ever forget that the UK media lionised Dame Sarah Gilbert with her little bob, her little ginger bob and her spectacles. And Mattel made a Barbie doll out of the witch doctor. That's right, now she's nowhere to be seen, Sarah Gilbert. Hey Sarah, the jab that you worked on at Oxford and AstraZeneca is killing loads of people. Crickets, crickets, tumbleweed, Sarah Gilbert, nowhere to be seen. Julia Hartley Brewer got into this today with a woman called Alex Kelly, the founder of COVID Vaccines Injured and Bereaved Legal Fund. They talked about it today. Let's have a listen. Alex Kelly speaking with Julia Hartley Brewer. I think we might hear Brewer first. This has been a very difficult topic for people to talk about, particularly people on air, Ofcom Rules, YouTube and the like. Any conversations about vaccines where you question anything about the rollout, their safety, you immediately get people sort of making complaints, COVID disinformation, COVID um, anti-vax, all of this stuff. Um, it needs to be very really clear. Um, both Lisa Shaw and her husband, Gareth Eve, they, they were given the AstraZeneca jabs. They, they, they got their jabs. Um, um, this is not about a sort of a, a sort of, oh, there's a conspiracy, Bill Gates putting, you know, nanoparticles into our bodies or anything. This is nothing, anything of the sort. This is about the very real fact of vaccine injury and death, which is known, established, acknowledged by everyone in the medical field and the government. But the abject failure... Of, of of anyone at AstraZeneca, it would appear, to, to respond to anybody, contact them, including Gareth Eve. Um, they, they've been sent pre-action protocol letters trying to get the government, trying to get MPs, contacting all the prime ministers we've had to try and take action. And now they're having to take legal action against AstraZeneca because they're not getting any answers. Tell us what's been going on. Alex Kelly. Nothing. <clears throat> this is the problem. Nothing's been going on. I mean, obviously, I can't speak about any of that because that is their case. And yeah. obviously... Um, all I will say is that myself and my family, and I think I speak for the vaccine injured and bereaved community when I say we are 100% behind them. They you, should never have gotten to this point. You, we, lost, we, we, you we, lost your mother. Yes, to, within four days. In the AstraZeneca How old was she? What happened to her? Um, she was 71. Mm -hmm. um, it was lockdown. There was no, um, you know, I've had a lot of people say, oh, you should have, um, you should have heard the warnings. There was nothing. Mainstream media. There, there was nothing. Nothing. Including, including from me, including from um, me. Yes, um, I mean, the media, I'm afraid now, you, you're very late to the table. Oh, she's given it to her, isn't she, Alex Kelly? You're very late to the table, love. Um, but it's about time. And you need to speak to the vaccine injured and the vaccine bereaved. And the vaccine injured needs so much help. You need to be interviewing them. You need to be speaking to them. Um, I've said this before. I said this to Kevin a couple of weeks ago. We have suicides in the groups. People are right on the edge. This is not, and I'm getting really tired of the word rare as well. It's not rare enough as far as I'm concerned, okay? So we need help for the vaccine injured. Start speaking to them. Start engaging. The, the list of injuries and the list of 
possible deaths is staggering. Staggering. Ma- on Colleen, Alex. Very good, Julia Hartley Brewer. There's been a really big issue about the um, the yellow card system in this country. It does of people being able to flag up. It's supposed to be done by doctors. I certainly, when I had my first job, I I and I used the yellow card system to flag up that I'd had a bad reaction to my first AstraZeneca vaccine, um, a, a allergic reaction, but also I mean was really quite unwell from it. Um, and, and we were being told that these were very rare, but everyone I spoke to had the same issues. Doctors were not flagging this up. Other countries have kept a much better um, record of vaccine, you know, the bad reactions and more severe injuries and have been kept a better, stronger tally of, of possible and often proven deaths. Do you think there was a deliberate attempt well, to to not keep record of these things because they didn't want to know. What do you think, Julia? Yes, absolutely. Obviously, yes. Um, still now. Okay, so my mother's death was January 2021, so we're over two years. But there are the vaccine injured and bereaved now who are who have massive question marks. They still can't get their own doctors to engage. Mm. They they are crying out to be spoken to because they the, the help is needed. Um, there are so many people with questionable deaths and okay not everybody is going to be is going to be associated yeah. but people were not people were not looking into this we're, we're two years on um the vaccine injured you know they're asking for the gps to have some guidance as well so that they can be referred when they go to the gp but it's like the medical profession just don't want to hear it if they don't want to hear it yeah that's not the first time we've heard that we've had vaccine injured or jab injured people on this program of course as well you were, were listening there to Alex Kelly, who is the, the founder of COVID Vaccines, excuse me, the founder of COVID Vaccines Injured and Bereaved Legal Fund, speaking to Talk Radio's Julia Hartley Brewer. Let's stay with Brewer, because she kept this um, going for a bit and spoke to James Bessel. He's known as Lord Bessel now. He was a Tory health minister in 19... God, he was a Tory health minister in 2020. That's right. Listen to Brewer's exchange with this guy, Bethel. The, the, the British public have emphatically uh, embraced the vaccine because they know uh, it protects them against severe disease and death. Catching COVID is a very serious matter, and that itself uh, is something that has uh, impact I'm, on I, your I've health. had COVID and twice. It wasn't a very serious matter for me. Did you, did, you, did you have the vaccine, Julia? I had COVID in March 2020 when there wasn't a vaccine available and I, and I had Omicron second time round. It, but but I, it was Omicron, so it was weaker. I've had the vaccines okay. and I've had, I had two doses and I had a booster. I, I had the booster only so I could go on holiday and I'm ashamed of myself for it. But, but for people over 70, 100% people, I absolutely still absolutely endorse it. For children, rolling it out to children, rolling it out to, you know, under 30, I would say even under 50, it's a very big question mark. Why would Brewer continue to endorse giving these jabs to somebody over 70? Why wouldn't you qualify that? Let's just say that Brewer genuinely believes in the jabs and she thinks that the, the, the deaths are a bit too much and something needs to be done about that. Let's imagine she's genuine, that she does believe in the injury and death cases, but overall she believes that the jabs can be useful for some people. Let's just give her the benefit of the doubt. All the evidence is in now regarding what COVID is and what COVID does and how much of a problem COVID could be or can be through all the age groups. 
the majority of people over 70, the great majority of people over 70 who got COVID um, had symptoms tantamount to the symptoms of a head cold. So why would you want to continue to give the jabs with all the evidence we have available now to people over 70? It's crazy. Anyway, let's hear her argue with this guy, Bethel. We know about vaccine harmless. We know about the risk. We know about these things. I don't think it's possible, given what we know about COVID and what we knew before the vaccines were rolled out, to claim that we need, that it was life, it was absolutely going to be life-saving for healthy young people to be basically coerced, cajoled, bullied into having the vaccine, which they were, because virtually everyone I know who got it, got it for travel. Everyone I know got it for travel, said Brewer. What does this guy no, say? No, that is not correct. No, no one it? did any bullying whatsoever. Yes, they there did. No ma- ma- People were threatened with no. losing their jobs. There, were, there, were, there was. Listen, the statistics are really simple. Uh, the threat to your health of catching COVID is much, much higher than any secondary uh, impact uh, of the vaccine. The British public recognise that. It's That's a trade-off on age, though, isn't it? A huge proportion, of course. Listen, there, there, there are. Uh, there is a very important risk assessment. I agree that if you are, uh, if you have obesity, if you have comorbidities, uh, if uh, depending on what your age well, is, it's mostly and age. Most people who die of COVID are in their eighties or nineties. And there, and there is a random element, as you know. There are marathon runners who have been hit very hard uh, by the disease, and there are uh, people who had a very light disease but then carry the effects of long COVID uh, for years to come. This is a very nasty random disease. It's very difficult to make the kinds of broad generalizations that you're doing. The bottom line, though, is the vaccine is safe. Catching COVID is nasty. And we are going to be looking at an age of pandemics going forward. And that- Listen to this. We're going to be looking at an age of pandemics going forward, he says. The vaccine is safe. Catching COVID is nasty. And we are going to be looking at an age of pandemics going forward and vaccines are going why, to play why, why did anyone want, why, no, but- An age of pandemics going forward and vaccines are going to play an incredibly important part in dealing with those pandemics to come, said James Bessel. Yeah. Why, why, was, the why was the government telling parents like me to get our kids jabbed? Well, one of the frustrations with COVID is having had it once before, it gives very little protection to having it again. So no. Sorry, that's... Some people have... Other than Omicron... No, but it makes you... That's absolute nonsense. Look. This guy is like Lord Ho-Ho, isn't he? He's like Comical Alley, this guy. The lies vomiting forth from, from this guy's mouth. Having COVID gives you very little protection at all from getting it again, says this guy. She's doing her best to have a go at him, but she's being a bit kind to him. Lord Bessel. No, it's not. Absolute not. not. Other than before hope. Omicron, it gave you much greater uh, protection, but it gives you a lot greater protection than having just been jabbed. No, that's yes, not right. That is the, true. Ca- the, 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 the catching the disease or having a vaccine, both of them, the impact of it does fade. No, no, and we had hope. No, the, vaccine the vaccine fades far quicker than having immunity from natural infection. Yeah, the natural infection gives you far longer immunity than any toxic jab. She's right there, right? But he just continues to obfuscate and to lie through his teeth. Yes, but there are plenty of people who have... There's documentation on this. She's very shrill, isn't she? Calm down, dear. Relax. Take a deep breath. Pause and annihilate him without getting too excited. It isn't that difficult. Tulip, there are plenty of people. Again, it's personal. Some people uh, have catch the disease and then don't have it for some time. 
and others get it three, four, five times. Omicron in a year. was much more, much more contagious. We know that, but that. Oh, Jesus. Omicron, yeah. And that's basically where we leave that particular conversation. 20 minutes past the air. Little tip for anybody going into broadcasting. That's where you summarise. Right there, you summarise his lies. You say, right, Lord Bessel, just stop for a minute. You've said that the jab gives you greater protection than natural immunity after you've had COVID. That's a nonsense. Where did you get that from? Let's just deal with that. Um, you said that... Um, you, you, you said... You, you tried to justify that... Children were offered the, 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 the children should be offered the jabs. No evidence whatsoever suggests the children should have these jabs. Um, you said that people were not coerced into taking the jabs, but I can prove that care home workers were warned that they would lose their jobs. NHS workers were warned they would lose their jobs if they didn't have the jabs. That was coercion, was it not? Like, just take them apart at the knees. It's very simple. 21 minutes past the hour. Before we welcome Mark Windows back to the programme, and we will do that very shortly, the other thing which caught my eye today was an interview Elon Musk gave to the BBC. He was interviewed last night, San Francisco time, it was early this morning, by a technology correspondent for the BBC uh, called James Clayton at Twitter headquarters there in San Francisco. And... It it went on for 90 minutes by, by all accounts, but this is the bit which caught my attention. It's to do with free speech and hate speech and whatnot. Elon Musk with a BBC reporter called James Clayton. If in order for something to serve as a digital town square, it must, uh, you know, serve all people from all political persuasion. Free speech is meaningless unless you allow people uh, you don't like to say things you don't like. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. Um, and if at the point at which you lose uh, free speech, uh, it doesn't come back. I, th I think the issue some people have is that a lot of people were brought back. I mean, some people were brought back who uh, were previously banned for spreading things like uh, QAnon conspiracies. You have people like Andrew Tate who were brought back, who were previously uh, banned for things like hate speech. Do you think you prioritize freedom of, of speech over misinformation and hate speech? Well, you know, who's to say that something is misinformation? Um, who's the arbiter of that? Is it the BBC? And you're literally asking me? Yes. Well, no, you, you, are, the, the you are the arbiter on Twitter because you own Twitter. Yes, I'm saying who, who is to say that one person's misinformation is another person's information? Um, at the point at which you, you say that... There is, uh, this is misinformation. Like, who is but you, going but you to accept that misinformation that? can be dangerous, that it can cause yes. real-world harms, that it can potentially cause... Um, yeah, so the point I'm trying to make is that the BBC itself has, at times, published things that are false. Do you agree that that has occurred? I, 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 I'm quite sure the BBC have uh, said things before that turn out to not be true. Correct. Uh, in, in its, whatever it is, 100-year history, I'm quite sure. Yes. Even if you aspire to be accurate, there are times when it, you, you will not be. Right, but I, think, has, I that, think in the but, grand scheme of things, accept, the BBC does, does aspire to be accurate. But you accept there has to be a line in terms of hate speech. I mean, not, you're not looking at total 100% unrestricted speech. What a question. You're not looking at total 100% unrestricted free speech, says a guy who calls himself a journalist. Surely you can't be talking about unrestricted free speech, Mr. Musk, says the journalist. This is... I won't say the V word. What does he say to that, Musk? 
Um, there's, well, I mean, I generally am of the opinion that if, if, uh, if, you, if, if the people of a given country are against a certain type of speech, they should talk to their elected representatives and pass a law to prevent it. Yeah, he says leave it up to the elected representatives. But we both know, you and I know, that our pal Hayden Hewitt is right. This will be driven by the private sector in the long term. Consequences for saying things that others don't like might mean losing some position or other in society, in, in, in employment. That's how it will eventually end. Free speech will die um, through the private sector in my opinion, 24 minutes past the hour. Lots of comments coming through the app. Listen, far be it for me to tell you how many times to send messages through the app. Send as many as you want, right? But I'm not going to repeatedly read comments from the same people because there are so many coming in. And there are people sending five, six messages like every couple of seconds, which is a bit funny. But I'm going to um, read out as many as I can from different people all the way through the programme, okay? Uh, James is a bus driver. How are you, James? Uh, James Brophy, that is. He's um, He really loves listening to these lords like Bessel squirm about these jabs and uh, the public at large too. He's a service bus driver listening for years, says James. Lovely to hear from you, James. Hi to Tony, who says, This constant phantom, phantom menace of future pandemics is why it is so important to understand there is no virus. That's Tony's opinion. And then he asks me to look at the work of a doctor in New Zealand. But Tony, I'm not going to do that. Not because I'm stubborn. I don't know either way. You know, doctors who I like tell me viruses do exist. And you tell me some doctor in New Zealand says they don't. I am not going to watch that. It's just a waste of my time. I don't know. And does it even matter anymore anyway? Are you going to persuade people? Imagine viruses don't really exist. We're talking terrain theory here. Right, so what? I mean, who are you going to persuade of that fact? You're not. It's like if the world is flat, which it obviously isn't, he says. Um, somebody who, who, who thinks the simulation theory might be the, um, the answer. But, but I don't believe that the world is flat. But imagine it was or is. It's a waste of time. People are not going to believe it. The programming is so strong with people in terms of people adhering to their belief systems. Doesn't matter, you know. Um, Pietro says, I, I know this is anecdotal. I've lost a number of friends and clients over the last couple of years who I would never have been, who I would never have expected them to die. One of my client's mothers uh, called in, calling me in tears, telling me that her 36-year-old uh, client, my client, had dropped dead. And I quote, like those sportsmen. I hear a lot of stories like that, mate. Thank you for that. Hi to Michelle who says, let's not forget the government downgraded Convid to no worse than the flu on the 19th of March 2020, five days before they locked down. They told us it never was any worse than flu from the get-go. The theatrics took over then and most people fell for it, says Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Those uh, messages coming through the brand new app for the Richie Allen Show. Thank you. You can also use the website, comment live, richieallen.co.uk. We will read out those comments as we go along. And Faisal has sent something from the LA Times, dated back to 1998. Good catch, Faisal, about the CIA funding the Dalai Lama. He says, Richie, you were asking for a source on it. Here's a source. Top man, Faisal. If you want to look at that link or see that link to the article, go to comment live on richieallen.co.uk. Scottish Al says, it sounds like Lord Bethel 
has conflicts of interest in selling the narrative of the jazz. Has he? Let's let's find some proof. If he has, I don't know. That's James Bessel, former Tory health minister. He was around in 2020 when they locked down. Good evening to Jenny, to Diane Hughes. Diane says, apparently there's been the first bird flu death in Guangdong. I read this today. A 59-year-old woman has died of bird flu. So here we go again, says Diane. Interesting to listen to Bessel talking about pandemics to come. And now vaccines will be so important in dealing with them. Sure they will. And Jonathan Stone, my pal in Ireland, says, Richie, there was a similar case in Waterford with a young man who took the AstraZeneca and died a few days later. They're having a lot of troubles getting answers from the company. He played for Waterford FC. I remember reading about, about it, Jonathan. And my friend Nigel, who did play for Waterford United back in the day, the old Waterford United, Nigel told me about that too. Uh, he only took the bloody thing so that he could go on holiday. Uh, thanks, Jonathan, for the reminder. How many people did these jabs kill? Lots of comments coming in. It's time to take a musical break while I get Mark Windows on the line. It's Wednesday's Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. Uh, before we do anything else, though, let me do this. To all the listeners who have become loyal customers of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last year, we would like to say a big thank you. Because of your continued support, we have been able to introduce our second product. This unique supplement is formulated specifically to reduce pain caused by joint inflammation our organic turmeric-based supplement contains a substantial amount of the active ingredient curcumin, as well as a black pepper extract which massively increases its bioavailability and thereby reaching the inflamed area faster. If you are suffering from joint pain, go to NutraHealth365.com for specific details on how our joint health supplement can help give you relief. That's NutraHealth365.com with free tract delivery. The Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Ah, sure be God, huh? It's the Richie Allen Show, live from Seoul for BBG Towers. The time is exactly half past five. When we hear from Starship, when we hear from Starship, the other side of it, the great Mark Windows, windowsontheworld.net, will be with me. Can't wait to chat with him. Keep the comments coming in. Great to be with you this Wednesday... From the motion picture mannequin, that starship, nothing's going to stop us now. 27 or thereabouts minutes to the top of the hour. Comments flying in via the mobile app. I think I might regret getting that mobile app, do you know that? Just before we say hi to Mark and welcome him back and hear from him, I can't wait to hear from him. On Tony's point about the viruses, I'm not having a go at Tony. I don't know the answer, you see. But the point I'm making is, you kind of try to use your time as productively as you possibly can. I'm never going to be able to persuade people one way or the other about viruses being real or not. I understand it's important. Erin has been in touch. Uh, Keely has been in touch to say to say she's undecided about this too, but she's open to the idea that illness can be contracted energetically rather than the traditional way we are led to believe, like body fluids, etc. Keely, I'm open-minded to that. And Tony, I don't think I offended Tony there. Um, Jason says, the people who had the COVID over and over all had the jab, says Jason. That's your opinion, Jason. You might very well be right. Good morning to Kat, who's, or good evening to Kat even, who says her 84-year-old mum refuses to have the jabs. 
uh, any more jabs. She had a couple and swears they made her lose even more of her hearing. I've looked into it, says Kat, and there have been reports of that happening. I'm proud of her for seeing through the nonsense. Massive amount of comments coming in. Thank you. Let's welcome back the great Mark Windows. Check out, I'm sure you have, windowsontheworld.net. He is a public speaker, a broadcaster, a writer and a filmmaker. And he's an old pal and he's always welcome in this parish. How are you doing, Mark? Welcome back. Hi, Richie. Very well. You sound great, pal. You're back in the UK for a little bit. Are you glad to be back or is it a flying visit? I think it's a flying visit, but it's actually been quite enjoyable catching up with people, seeing what the changes are. And I've got a few talks coming up this weekend and they were just put on by somebody who's down in Devon, which is great. So, yeah, I've been quite busy. Brilliant, and we'll plug the unmerciful bejesus out of the talks as we go along. That's great news. Anybody, if you are around the Devon area or somewhere close enough where you've got travel, I can't recommend highly enough, I can't recommend Mark highly enough. Go and see him and have a listen to his talks. Do you want to jo- We didn't say we talk about anything specific, so I'm going to try and keep it general for, for the time we have. I've also been watching, I always watch your episodes. If you don't believe me, you can ask me a few questions and I'll pass with flying colours. I always watch you. I, I pick you up on oh, YouTube. Yeah. Always, mate. And um, you've been doing some really interesting stuff lately, which is, is it's a welcome relief, really, from the politics and the news. So I want to talk about that. But before that, terrain theory. If I remember, years before COVID ever existed, you, which are big brain on you, you were talking about um, viruses and terrain theory and speaking about it with, with, with people on shows that you've done. Where are you on these theories that, you know, we don't always become ill because we're in, a, we're in a room or an environment with somebody who is coughing and sneezing? Because it comes up all the time and I don't want to be dismissing it. Listeners are talking about it today. What are your thoughts on that? I'm really interested in it, Richie, and I'm going to be doing an interview very soon with James McComiskey, who I haven't spoken to for quite some time. He wrote a book about the biomedical paradigm, and he'd studied the work of Giet Hamer in Germany, the German new medicine or new German medicine, which was around since about 2005. And it challenged this whole idea of what illness actually is. And when we actually do get ill, it's like a poisoning of the system and the system needs to recover from it. And that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But that's basically where I stand on it. I think that that is absolutely true. I've looked into it for a very long time. And I think that you have to look at what the illness actually is and what's causing it, because that's what this new German medicine was all about. I found it really fascinating. And it actually tied in with some people I knew who got ill, who got cancer. And the different types of cancer are caused by different types of stress and different types of emotional issues which happen within families it's all very interesting i mean we can't obviously go into that today but no, no, it's no. something i have been looking at a long time yes i look forward to that to that interview with james yeah i'm fascinated i wonder if the two series can coexist i mean i'm, I'm wide open to stress definitely stress look I, I did late night radio years ago mainstream radio and um but i would i would have doctors on you know, open-minded doctors, and they would say that, yeah, stress is a big factor. The environment, obviously, is electromagnetic smog and stuff. There's so many different things. I just wonder if the two can coexist, because whenever somebody is sneezing, and it's not somebody who's drinking the same water as me or eating the same food, not living in the same house, but just a workmate or something, I'd always come down with it. But you're right, the the, the drugs tend to try and block our systems up when we're supposed to kind of expel the toxins, whatever it is that's, that's making us ill. Mark, 
Dark Windows, folks. Windowsontheworld.net. Now, nobody, and I mean this, this is not me buttering you up. Nobody, I don't believe, in independent journalism has done more in 10 years to explain the climate change agendas, the agendas 2030, the Great Reset, and how this will be driven locally. Nobody's ever done it better than you. So do we have something to be excited about? When you read about people in London, I don't want to talk about criminal damage, but when they're covering up cameras and when they are removing or destroying box planters that have been put in place to try and stop traffic moving through areas, does that give you, of all people, a bit of a boost? Well, I think it's very interesting, the response, because as you said, I've been talking about it such a long time. And in the beginning, people were very sceptical and derisory about what I was saying. And it's interesting in some ways, but also they've got a lot of catching up to do because it's always, as we've said on these shows, Richie, it's global to local. Everything that happens from this globalist agenda, which is um, a worldwide agenda, is implemented through your local council. And that's where you take the power back. So it is very good that people are questioning that locally. They just need to be very focused and also realize that they can become counselors. This is the whole thing that this has happened over the last several weeks. And many counselors have now been uh, voted in, basically, yeah. uh, around the country. And this is this is the way to do it, you see, because the whole of this works with infiltration and your acquiescence. In other words, if you do nothing, they will do it for you. So you have to get engaged. Now, I think the civil disobedience thing is very good. I mean, I saw a great video. I think it's one of the funniest um, headlines for a video I'd ever seen. It says, Piers Corbyn jumps into giant plant pot and makes a speech. <laughs> And I thought it was like, it's great, you know, Um, and I think that the kickback to it is good. And also the kickback within these local councils. So they're going against the ULES now. So this is interesting, but it's time to seize the moment. You cannot just wait for other people to stand up for you on this. You have to do it yourself. You have to take full responsibility and start getting involved locally and start really putting these councils on the spot. Because we now know that the consultations that I was talking about years ago are not consultations. They are not consulting local businesses. These surveys are found to be wanting, and that's been polite about it. That's in the mainstream press. So people now know they're not being consulted. So that should ignite within them this idea of what the word democracy and local democracy actually means. It means, in effect, an imposition from above that masquerades as the word community. What people have to do is take back that word community from the people who are imposing on them as community. Now, we, we've done shows over the years, and I've watched you on your own show, Windows on the World, where you've talked animatedly about how you can't change anything by removing a government from Westminster or a Prime Minister from from Downing Street because the cabal controls both sides of it. So just for, for our listeners' sake, because our listeners are like, is Mark Windows in, in endorsing the political system? I don't think you are. I think what you're saying is quite clever. You can't do anything in politics, at least in national politics. But you believe that you can. If you're clever enough, you could win a seat or a couple of seats on a local authority and put a bit of a stop to this or at least, you know, slow it down considerably. 
Well, it's already happening, Richie. Yeah. And those shows that I've put out recently prove that. Yeah. We did a show on how to oppose low traffic neighborhoods and local councils. And it's very, very simple. And it's in a very short video. Now, the thing is that people get all of this wrong because the whole of the conspiracy circus has been led to believe that it's two wings of the same bird and all the rest of it. Yes, I've done the long term research on that. And that's absolutely true. But what we have to realize is this all comes in locally. So yeah. if you're sat on your ass and not challenging the council, then they're going to do it. Yeah. And there's so many of these agents in place now. And the infiltration in Britain is almost overwhelmingly complete. So you have to realize that the country's been infiltrated with an ideology which is not an environmental project. It's actually about control. And we have to keep it simple on this show. I've gone into it in so much depth that now I talk about it broadly, but I still get this response, which really does irritate me uh, when they say, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Well, the point is you can sit around complaining and watching videos or you can get engaged. Yeah, and when I started doing this, Richie, before we met at TPV, I took on my local council. I won court cases. We stopped the government doing certain things, like the child support agency was stealing property, basically. And we found out how this was being put through the courts. And you have to engage yourself. You, you see, this is the thing that people seem to be getting led round and round in circles. And a lot of people have been saying, oh, he's negative. No, I'm absolutely positive. But I only want to do things that work. I'm not interested in things that don't work. And it's really as simple as that. Listen, I like that. If if a Labour Party prospective MP knocked on my door tomorrow and said, will you vote for me in the next general election? I would politely say, listen, no, and I wouldn't. But I, I, I see what you're saying and I, I, I can go along with it. If somebody knocks on my door and says, hey, Richie, I'm Vicky and I... Not, not, never really interested in politics before I'm a businesswoman. I'm standing against, you know, you know, the imposition of climate change legislation, basically, that's going to take cars away from us and lock us into 15-minute cities. Richie, will you give me my vote, your vote, in the local election? Yeah, I will, Mark, yeah. Of course I will. Exactly. 100%. That's, it's as simple as that, Richie. People yeah. become candidates, then they can become councillors, and then you've got a political party behind you. The only party that is going against Agenda 2030 in the UK is David Curtin's Heritage Party. Yeah. Now, people seem to be very derisory. And it's like this. I think it's like a fake cynicism based on ignorance, you know, because it's got nothing to do with him. It's all about the idea that, OK, who's going against it? Well, we'll stand with that because it's in the manifesto. So you can then tell people locally as a candidate that you are standing against this and you're the only political candidate they've got that is doing that. And I reckon it would only take 10 people in each borough. And I've always said that 10 people working solidly and consistently together in each borough in the country would turn this around very, very quickly. So standing around and protesting is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember that these social gatherings, which is what they are, they are not going to solve the problem. The problem has to be solved by you confronting these people and removing them from office. It has to be done that way because the infiltration, as I said, is complete. These people are ideologues. They are extremists in every sense of the word. And they hide behind this language, this word salad, this new age sustainability 
environmental nonsense, which is what it is. And I see examples of that all over the UK. This is absolutely obvious now what is going on. And it's obvious what I was saying years ago in the respect that this is about removing your right to private transport. Yeah. That is the first thing that you do to lock people down. And people who've lived in communist countries will say, yes, that's exactly what they do. First of all, if they take away your right of travel, then you are a prisoner. You're basically locked down and anything else after that can be imposed incredibly easily. Yeah. Tell me, do you think on in London, do you think they've moved too fast? They've made a mistake strategically because they can't under all sorts of pressure. And I, I've read one or two articles, different papers, you know, left-wing, right-wing, saying that he really fears for himself at the next mayoral election because they've, they've, gone, too, they've gone too soon on, on this ULEs and 15-minute neighbourhoods. What do you think? Yes, they are in a rush and they're pushing it through very, very quickly now. I think Khan has been exposed for what he is and it was exposed very nicely in that video where he addressed the audience and said, well, if you vote against this, you're in with right-wing extremists and racists and all the rest of it. That was a cheap shot yeah. and it's backfired on him, which is brilliant because Khan has nothing in his brain. He is basically a puppet. That's all he is. He has nothing to say. And that's the thing with all of these change agents who've been put into power. They have a word salad, which they use against the public. And it's actually becoming ineffectual because there is no depth to what they're saying. And that's a good thing. Mark Windows is our guest. My pal, Mark Windows, windowsontheworld.net. Check him out. Terrific broadcaster, great journalist. Tell me this, right? You've been traveling around Europe. So with your keen journalistic eye on you, you're seeing this everywhere in Europe too, right? Lockstep, it's happening everywhere. Yes, a lot slower. I think that where I was in Central Eastern Europe, around Bulgaria, very, very slow, has a very small population. You don't see any of the sort of impositions that we're getting in the UK. You hardly see any electric vehicles. I mean, you might see a few in Sofia or Plovdiv, but most people are not driving electric vehicles there and everything is quite normal. So if you go to Greece and Turkey, where I've been recently, you are really stepping out of what people are putting up with in the UK. In other words, it's not being implemented there in anything like the same way. I recently had to drive through Istanbul, which took me hours. Wow. And the traffic there is absolutely dense and they're not going for electric cars. I mean, it's really not changed. So they can't do what they're doing in the UK in these countries as easily and the UK is a smaller place. The city of London have used the UK as an example. And Britain is being used as the example for the rest of the world for this fake sustainability and this new system. A, a neighbour, bumped into a neighbour the other day, not, not an immediately near neighbour, but somebody who lives a few streets away. And she said, use my name. Her, name, her name is Sharon. And she said, I just started to listen recently, I think. It's great, Mark, isn't it, in the independent media? My, my friend Tracy, who runs the local laundrette, Tracy was telling Sharon about the show. Yeah. So she's listening now. She's listened to everything, right? And she said, I'm glad I found the show, she said, because I was, before she found the show, before she knew anything about the independent media, she was starting to have panic attacks. Um, she owns her home, or she's mortgaging her home, so she's up to her neck paying a mortgage. And she's really panicking, Sharon, about being forced to get a heat pump and what wanted me to explain what's really going on and what might happen and what she can do. And I said to her, look, um, 
I can't say too much apart from they do want to force heat pumps on people. Every house has got an energy rating. They're going to try and force you to get one of these heat pumps, which don't work very well, presumably. And um, they're getting rid of gas boilers, and that's going to come at a significant cost to the homeowner. That's all I could say. But I did say to her that, you know, I would be speaking to people who are in the know. Um, I thought there was some good news on heat pumps recently in terms of that a lot of the mainstream press are finally putting out articles saying that heat pumps are a no-no because they're rubbish and they're just far too expensive, Mark. What can you tell Sharon about heat pumps? Well, none of it is meant to work in the way that they tell you it's meant to work. So basically, all this really is about is getting property owners into more and more debt and imposing more and more control and charging them more and more money. The whole thing is a looting operation disguised as sustainability. So looting is the new sustainability. And what's happened with the press is quite interesting. Yes, they are putting it out, but they don't really get to the root of what it is. You see, unless they turn around and say, this is not an environmental project, then they're missing the point again, you see. That's yeah. the issue. It has to come down to that. So in other words, we, we know through what they've said and through studying over the years, I can say with confidence that they say in their own words that the electric cars aren't meant to work, the electric grid is going to be restricted and rationed, and basically this is a stealing of the global commons by corporations and banks. That's what the environmental project actually is. It's a corporate takeover of everything, masquerading as a global community under the guise of saving the planet. So it's all a lie. And the, as far as I can remember, the last mainstream writer to call out climate change theory as being junk science was Christopher Booker. I think so anyway, right? I think he was the last one. Yes, long time ago. In the Telegraph. Yeah, nobody will touch it now, will we'll go anywhere near it. Uh, the BBC has declared that the debate is over and that they don't have to provide any balance on it. Namely that climate change is real, it is going to kill us all and um, you know, we, we, we have to do whatever is necessary to prevent it. Not, not to be remotely neg negative because I'm not. There is something coming up on, if this is a race right, a horse race this, this race to try and alert people that this is crazy, that it's not really happening and that as you eloquently described there, it's the corporate takeover of everything. Coming up on the outside rail are I think a generation of people, Mark, who totally believe it. You know, the Extinction yes. Rebellion crowd, evangelicals, they really believe this, God love them. And I find it hard to dislike them or to despise them or to get angry with them because I see the fervour, almost feverish even, when, when they're speaking on TV or radio and the horror in their eyes at the fact that, you know, we don't um, believe it's happening. What, what if anything? can be done about about that generation? Well, I think that they don't have the facts or the knowledge about what they're talking about. They've got no facts, no knowledge. So if you give them some facts to look at, say, go away and have a look at that. And did you know that was because of this? And just see what happens, because this is a religion. It's very difficult to get people out of a religious cult, which is what it is. So they're behaving as a religious cult and it's a, an apocalyptic cult. And basically, they don't realise that they're the victims. They're not the saviours. Let me read a few comments. 
They are legion. Just got a new app, Mark, and uh, there's a message thing on it. Yeah, I'm kind of regretting it, really. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) There's like people putting 10, 15 messages in every five minutes. Stop it, people. One at a time. Um, Mike is in Hull. Electric vehicles are hopefully doomed if hydrogen is given a chance. JCB has showcased plant a plant even, run by hydrogen. And I saw an interesting video today about Toyota going down the same route. It's got to be better than the impossible dream of electric vehicles being the saviour of the planet. Might hydrogen come in to save the day, Mark? Well, of course, but the whole point is the electric vehicles are meant to fail because I was told many years ago by people who supply the national grid that the future is power cuts because at peak capacity, these private companies go in and they charge the national grid a lot of money. And of course, the whole renewables thing is an absolute lie because it's all powered by either diesel in the main or gas. And it's all buried in these bunkers and it's called a store system. So when the Um, national grid is at peak capacity the store system kicks in and I spoke to the suppliers of that at an energy conference years ago and they said we don't understand why the government is lying about renewables because they don't work but they're not meant to work that's the point to increase artificial scarcity you have to then get these people out of their electric cars since i've come back to london i've seen a profusion of these electric clown cars driving around and the point is the grid is not going to support them and also the new communitarian uh, backbiting is going to be that those people dropping those kids off to school in their electric cars which they've bought because the government told them to are selfish and they should be carpooling and those electric cars are going to be used just as a luxury they're going to be provided by the council Jesus, and right. they're going to be in these car clubs and you're going to get the luxury of sharing it possibly with another family for a day and going somewhere in an electric car so they're going to remove the car completely whether they let the hydrogen car come through is a very interesting thing because the whole point of this from all my research is that it is meant to fail and the system cannot work the way they want it to unless it fails. Oh, God, you're so right. And I didn't think of that. This has never occurred to me. So they get you all into your electric cars and then they say, hey, now that you're all in your electric cars, it's it's terribly wrong that you're all charging them. We don't, we don't, you don't all need to charge them. Let's carpool. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Listen, there's more questions. Yeah, I mean, it, this ahead. is the whole point that there's the real and the stated goals. And I've always said this. And I've always tried to keep it as simple as possible. And what I found was that people just go off that subject and they don't listen to what you've actually said. So they'll come back with a response which has nothing to do with what you've said. And I think this is part of the brainwashing. And people don't realise that they are not focusing on the issue. The issue is electric cars are not meant to work. They're meant to fail. That's it. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this this is quite extraordinary. Um, massive amount of comments coming in here. Um, and dear listener, when I say massive, I mean massive. And there's some brilliant comments coming in. Uh, Boy Cobb asks this. Um, Mark is not like that um, money money specialist guy. You know, he's not going to have the answer to everything, but we'll throw a few questions at him anyway. He says, Richie, <laughs> if you just ignore all... Mark, if you ignore all of these heat pump things and keep paying the bills, will they eventually just turn your supply off? Like if you say, I'm keeping my gas boiler... To hell with you, I own my property. Will they eventually turn it off or can we just keep burying our heads in the sand and keep on keeping on? I think the answer is obvious, right? I think what you've got to be careful of and to remember 
is that this system is so implanted now that you will be coerced or forced to get in line with that word again, community. Yeah. So you're going against the community. You're being selfish by not embracing the new sustainable heat pumps. And you're holding back the progress and you're being a polluter and you're living in the past. And you just don't like change. Jesus. Isabella said this, Richie, Mark might find my question far-fetched or my comment. This kind of goes to, to real energy or natural energy or you'll have the correct term now in a minute won't you um the the, the things that have been kept hidden from us uh, isabel says does mark believe that mountains and volcanoes have a special energy which if tapped into with uh, developed technology could be our future source of energy that's a good question and what about energy from just from the atmosphere what, what's that called again we talked about this years ago um, well, there's energy from the ground is telluric energy, and the energy from the sky is something else, which I can't remember at the moment. Yeah, but I think, yeah. like harnessing this new technology idea, and I don't know enough about a lot of that stuff, even though I've covered it, because it's some of it is quite theoretical. And the thing is that the the alternatives are there. We know the alternatives are there, but they don't want us to use them because they want to restrict. The, the use. So if you've got something that's abundant and that's cheap, well, that's no good, is it? You need something that, that you can make scarce and charge a lot of money for and make people feel guilty for using because this is a new form of original sin. After all, that's what the whole climate change agenda is. It's to make you feel guilty for being alive and no one should feel guilty about that. But yeah, I don't think we've got time to go into those sort of technologies. But I mean, th this stuff has been known about for so long. Mark gets into these subjects on windowsontheworld.net go to the website you'll get links to the YouTube videos and um, he does terrific long form interviews with people where you can flesh all of this out we're, we're speaking in bullet points today as Mark pointed out but he gets into it in great detail so I can't recommend that enough so do get over there and share them uh, with other people as well please windowsontheworld.net a um, couple of quick more comments uh, Hoffman calls it enclosure 2.0 that's right Diane says EVs are a trap it's everything is uh, it's a simple she agrees John Taylor says I like Mark he gets straight to the point and Anto says I saw something the other day Richie only three airports will be operational in the UK by 2030. I think it's in the World Economic Forum plans. I wonder has Mark heard or seen of this? Jesus, that's mad. We're seven years out from 2030. I don't know how many airports are in the UK at the moment, but let's say there's 40 or 50. Maybe there's a little bit less. Uh, Anto reckons he saw World Economic Forum plans to reduce it to three, Mark. Yes, that's absolutely true. And that's been around for several years now i think i think with the world economic forum website it's basically a series of essays which are there to help people understand and for those who are to drive policy so basically that's that site is for policy makers and it's like a conglomeration of ideas which are presented but of course it's a steering group and the plans behind that the world economic forum has kind of come to the fore in the past few years but of course it's been around since the 70s and the thing is that this information has been around a lot longer than on the world economic forum this was being talked about 30 years ago this whole idea of stopping air travel so we've seen the drivers of change and that's the issue 
that I think that's very important that the drivers of change are what bring in the implementation. And what the public are totally unaware of is that these drivers have the real and the stated goals. So in other words, the the reason they're like gullible children in some ways, because the public believe the cover story, especially in the UK, because we've got a lot of do-gooders here who've never had it so good in actual fact, even though people complain a lot. It's I think people have been rather mollycoddled in the UK. And this is part of the problem. I think this is part of the problem with the climate change thing, because they all want a virtue signal about it. And it becomes this big kind of community thing to do. And they're not looking at what's behind it. And and it's that simple, really, I think. Yeah, it's frustrating for you, isn't it? Very I, frustrating. I, I get yeah. that, yeah. Not looking to, to what's behind it. I spoke to a, to a teacher recently, not on the air now, and it's a listener who, who teaches um, secondary school, uh, first year in secondary school. Uh, this is an Irish secondary school teacher. And said that um, at, a, at a discussion recently or an assembly about, you know, climate change and what, 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 what children could do about it and how they could influence their parents, um, the teacher I spoke with was kind of dismayed to hear quite a few kids say that they wouldn't be having any children. 13-year-olds, imagine. 14-year-olds. Yes. Well, of course, this is part of it. This is the big part of it. And it's the, uh, this whole operation done under the banner of environmentalism is about control, management and reduction of population. And they got into this a long time ago. So they're on a course. One thing that the globalists do is they stick to what they have as a long term goal. And the whole thing is based on depopulation and reduction of population. But populations are falling all over the world. We know this. So in other words, what are they really trying to achieve? I don't think that's actually been thought about. I think now what it's about is power, control and money, which it always was, of course. But the whole point is that the banks got on board with this. And now, of course, they have to be checked for sustainability. They're not allowed to invest in things which may be pollutants, the so-called fossil fuel industry. Uh, But behind the scenes, they all know that it's a lie. They just have to adhere to it publicly. So this is the thing that the the whole thing is basically a corporate takeover of everything on the back of an environmental project, which is a lie. And these people know it's a lie. So that yeah. once you crack that nut, you'll know more about what it's really there to achieve because most people i've heard these middle class people saying oh well it's good that the population's falling it's good that people are dying but they don't seem to think that it actually refers to them no and the middle class is the ones they actually really want to wipe out so this is a very interesting time and i i was trying to warn these people years ago and they snigger at you and call you a conspiracy theorist and then you're far right and all the rest of it well i would say i've been right so far and that is the sad thing about it. I mean, I've been talking about this for so long. I actually don't really want to keep talking about it because basically <laughs> you, I get you, yeah. it's not that you're saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It's just that it's not sinking in. And there just seems to be a new distraction on the horizon all the time. I don't know. And don't give up. Hang on. Don't give up yet because now, <laughs> no, 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 because now, after putting in the, the graft for years, I think now 
we are at a place, I think, where people are more open-minded than ever because they subconsciously realise that they were subjected to psychological torture over the last three years. I think a lot of people are realising this. So there is a bit of a tipping point, and you're perfectly placed to do not give up now after all of this uh, time. Mark Windows is our guest, Windows on the World. I mean that sincerely, I'm not just saying that. No, I won't won't give up, Richie. It's just that it's kind of like... um you know, the same thing over and over yeah. again. It's it's quite interesting because I've seen how people have been steered even through the COVID thing. And they think they're, you see, a lot of people think they're going against the, the system, but they're actually enable it, enabling it because what they do to go against it has already been taken account of. The revolutionary spirit is harnessed and steered. And that's the point. The revolutionary spirit is taken account of. So this whole thing is about a revolution. And so when people start getting involved and they go to protests or they follow these people, uh, they're not addressing the real issue because that's already been taken into consideration. It's the actual real implementation of what's going on to understand that. And it's a very simple thing is the key. And I know I've reiterated it a couple of times, but I think that's most important. Yeah, it's hugely important. We'll talk about these talks coming up as well um, on the South Coast in, in a few minutes' time. David asks, before we talk about some of your recent work on Windows on the World, which, um, like I said, was, was, was nice. I mean, you've been talking about Ukraine on there. You've been talking about plant medicine. But I love that you've been talking about psychic phenomena and demonic entities. I love this. Right, yes. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes, right? Um, I, I'm looking at the clock. I mean, I'm on till seven. You can stay with me as long as you want. Uh, you might have another engagement. but um, No, I'm free, Richie. I'm enjoying this. It's great. Brilliant, buddy. Thanks for saying that. Me too. Mark Windows is our guest. Right, David says, what does Mark think about the emergency text message which will be sent from the government to all mobile phones? Will clicking on the link in the text message download the whole contents of your phone for AI to peruse. And that's worst case scenario. David is imagining worst case scenario there. I'm not saying this won't happen, but um, he's imagining worst case scenario. For listeners who don't know, we have been warned that on April 23rd, I think, or around about that time, we're going to be introduced to a new emergency alert system, which they use in America, in some states in America, which is where if something really bad is going down, everybody will get a message from the government on their phones. And they're going to demonstrate this or trial it in a couple of weeks time david reckons if we open this bloody thing all of your mobile phone contents might end up being grabbed by the government i'm not laughing at david i think that's worst case scenario but the bigger picture what do you think of this emergency messages from the government mark well this all comes down to what the world health organization have been planning for years they brought out a document in 2007 called a safer future and it referred to this idea which is now becoming reality in that they were going to become the masters of the destiny of each country through this global health security system. Now, as far as this emergency thing is concerned, it's it's concerning in the respect that they're taking control of all the mobile networks. That's quite interesting in some ways, because that's to me is an open declaration that basically this World Health Organization implementation which they've been talking about for a very long time is now basically being imposed through the British government so that is what that is about they will be obviously staging things and using this but as far as the data goes 
they can take your data anytime they want. And yeah. I think the thing is that what they're going to do with it all, do you really think that they need all this data? Okay. So on the front end of it, it's all about advertising and targeting you and then your social credit and all this. I don't think that this system is going to be effective in a lot of ways. I think they can take people out, you know, people who are saying things they don't like. Yes, they can remove them. And I've seen signs of that before. And the thing is that what is it all really about? Surveilling and monitoring in real time. What I've seen of this system is is that it's not truly 100% effective. And it's also it's very susceptible to hacking and all sorts of things. So I don't think that what they're doing is actually ultimately going to work. I really don't think it's going to work. Please God, Mark. And and, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm agnostic, I think, you know, at the best of times, but please God, it won't that enough people will see this just in the nick of time, you know. Diane talks about common purpose on there and how it fits into the big picture. Melanie says Mark is right. And she says you're right on, you know, it's not good enough anymore to stand around. She says, like, stand in the park, it's all lovely and all of that, but ultimately it'll have to lead to something more than just talking about it and I share Mark's frustration because it's not an ego thing but when you interview researchers and journalists like Mark and when you interview other you know intelligent men and women people who've gotten out of medicine and they're speaking the truth and all of that you hope that it will inspire people to do something not just kind of sit around and talk about it Um, and Mark's been on that journey for many years and we will talk about over in a few minutes time but I'm, I'm looking at the clock it's 11 minutes past year let me do this mark for 60 seconds we'll come back and i want to talk then about your interest in psychic phenomena and demonic entities this is great stuff mark windows our guest back in 60 seconds to all the listeners who have become loyal customers of immunex 365 since we launched in october last year we would like to say a big thank you because of your continued support we have been able to introduce our second product this unique supplement is formulated specifically to reduce pain caused by joint inflammation. Our organic turmeric-based supplement contains a substantial amount of the active ingredient curcumin, as well as a black pepper extract which massively increases its bioavailability and thereby reaching the inflamed area faster. If you are suffering from joint pain, go to NutraHealth365.com for specific details on how our joint health supplement can help give you relief. That's NutraHealth365.com with free tract delivery. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics, and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Yes, and importantly, support our guests as well. So if you use Windows on the world.net, when I say use it, if it is a source of information that is important to you, and it should be, do support it. Support people like Mark Windows. Mark, I love them. Lately, more, more, more than ever, kind of listening to interviews and podcasts, your own Windows on the World.net, talking about psychic phenomena and demonic entities, entities even. And this is really prescient now to what we're talking about, because some of my favourite people in the world, including my friend Jean Ann Crowley, who will be very well known to people as a very successful actress, amongst other things, when we talk about what we talk, you talked about depopulation there. Jean Anne, who's as sharp and as, you know, sensible as anybody I've ever met, really, 
believes that there is something demonic, there is something supernatural going on here. And let's talk about that for a few minutes. Because because for many people it'll be like, well, okay, if what you say is right, Mark, it's greedy corporate bastards who just want to own everything and they don't care who they kill or what they pollute so long as they own everything. And that's how I thought for many years, even though I'm agnostic. But I've never been more open-minded to the notion that, well, it's something a bit more sinister than that. Talk to us about demonic entities and psychic phenomena. And folks, get over to windowsontheworld.net to see these excellent conversations recently. Mark has been in with some brilliant guests. Tell us about this, Mark. Well, a lot of this came about because I've always been into the occult, the hidden. And I was always interested in psychic phenomenon. I then got into parapsychology and the study of -of out-of-body experiences and these basically otherworldly environments. And I actually came face to face with these entities and I've seen them take over other people. I've been involved around people who've become taken over by demonic entities and I'm in touch with several at the moment. And they're just ordinary people, Richie. They're people who may have had a trauma or may have been susceptible or maybe just vulnerable to this happening. And that is what is extremely interesting. And many years ago now, I think around 2014, 2015, I heard Jerry Marzinski doing an interview. He was a psychiatric practitioner and he did an interview called Demons Are Real. And Jerry gave real life examples from his 35 year career of how people with paranoid schizophrenia in these secure mental institutions were actually not random hallucinations that they were having. They were not having the random hallucinations. These things were cognitive. These things were consistently negative and they took over the person. And I've seen that happening very close up. And so I've studied it. I've pondered on it a lot and I've worked to try and overcome this. And I do believe that there is a battle going on out there and it's always gone on. If you go back to these texts like the Nag Hammadi scriptures, they talk about the archons, the rulers, and they're not necessarily talking about things in this dimension. And there was always this idea that those who were doing the very good work in the world were being attacked and they needed to be able to protect themselves. And I don't think anything has changed. In fact, through my experience, it's actually got worse. Tell us about some. Tell we, us about some of these experiences. Because look, look at the time. Right, it's sixteen minutes. So we've got loads of time. So we've got a half an hour, forty okay. minutes. So um, talk about it in a historic, historical context in a moment. But talk about your own experiences. I'm fascinated by this, and this makes sense to me now. You talking about this because years ago I interviewed the Catholic priest Vince Lampert from New York City, who does exorcisms for the for the Vatican in America. He's the only one allowed to do it. And I remember you being interested in that and you saying, oh, I know a bit about this, Richie. So talk to us about, you said you've seen it up close. How does it manifest in people and what sort of behavior, behavioral changes would you notice? And is it scary? I mean, when you were up close and personal with it, what did you see? Well, it depends on the level of the entity. So some people have attachments but other people open themselves up to demonic possession. And opening up to demonic possession is often through abuse, 
It's through addiction and it's through negativity. And by negativity, I mean extreme negative thought patterns. And these things manifest themselves through those thought patterns. And when you are in the presence of somebody who is actually possessed, they are not there. The person who you thought was there is not there. They are merely a conduit for these entities. And this was what fascinated me. I was in a position where I was very close up to this and it was very personal. And I was studying it about the same time I got in touch with Jerry Marzinski and he warned me and he was absolutely right. And we have continued those conversations privately and publicly to this day. So we compare notes on that. And the thing is that if you're around somebody who has these attachments or even full on possession, you will know about it because their behavior will change. And often, if you're perceptive, you can see their faces change and you can see these entities getting into them. Now that is, take well, it takes a slightly more attuned kind of person to do that, but most people will recognize that people can be taken over. And often these entities will respond with, I'm not in the name of the person. And this is the whole point that I got into studying how these things get into people in the first place. So in other words, the victim has to consent in some way to these things coming in. And that consent is given through the abuse of that person, the degradation of that person and the taking away of their psyche, their protection and the opening up to these entities who can jump in. Do now, you mean, sorry to interrupt you, do you mean, sorry to interrupt you, Mark, just so I, just so I understand this, because I don't want to, to, to be lost here, I'm not lost yet. So, yeah. trauma can open somebody up to being the victim of an attachment, somebody who has suffered some very severe trauma, maybe, yes. maybe sexual abuse, maybe, maybe something else, maybe physical abuse, maybe just a rotten life, maybe homelessness, maybe, I think you mentioned addiction. Yes. Can open, right. And then, so, so the attachment is, it's non-human and it is conscious. And it is manifestly yes. awful. And, and, they're, and they're cognitive. Right. And what I discovered was that they are able to direct situations in a supernatural way. So if you're in the presence of somebody who's demonically possessed, everything around the situation will escalate to a point where it becomes extremely dangerous. And this is where people get paralyzed with fear by these entities, because if that entity is coming through another person and attacking you, the first thing it does is paralyzes you. And I've experienced that and I've realized how to get over it. Now you have to have this very strong idea of your own energy field and psyche. And it starts to get a little bit abstract sounding to some people. But basically, it's that inner core of true energy that you have. And once people corrupt themselves and become compromised, they're basically on the road to allowing this to happen to them. And I think that is a very good analogy of what's going on with the whole of this system, because people are in some ways becoming possessed by these ideas and then. When you look at what this agenda is about, 
it's basically a demonic agenda because it's leading you into something on the back of an absolute lie. So I think that the analogy of what's going on and I see the increase of people getting disturbed as part of that. And that's what I find so fascinating. So in other words, the this whole idea of acceptance and acquiescence is basically denying the existence of these negative entities. And the whole idea is that demonic entity, full-on demonic en attachment, uh, possession, is very, very serious. Um, a lot of people will have attachments. And I went on a course many years ago with people who studied energy fields. It all sounds a bit abstract, but it wasn't. No. It was actually quite scientific the way they did it, because what they did was very interesting. Did a series of experiments, and a lot of it was psychic stuff. And people would be very, very surprised how much their real intuition is correct. And once you're taken away from that, I think you can be misled by these entities. And a lot of it comes in through what they call channeling, because when people channel something, they're opening themselves up. How do entities get in when you open yourself up? So this is another thing that people are willingly opening themselves to entities. And these things in the lower dimensions are actually, they're no good because they'll lie about who they are. They deceive you all the time. And basically, it's like an abusive relationship. So this is where people start to get taken over by them. And a friend of mine, it's happened to, friend of mine got in contact with me and told me that they are hearing voices and it's very very common it's not an uncommon thing but the point is that if for instance most people have had a thought go through their head which was absolutely horrific something yeah. they would never do yeah. like they've seen somebody and gone kill them but something's gone through their head and it's everybody gets this right yeah. these things are out there all the time people don't act on it but if these if the presence becomes stronger and the person's worn down and they're taken over, then they will act on it. I've read and about that... this before. This is amazing. I've read yeah. about this before. And I went to see a stage hypnotist about 20 years ago called Paul Golding. I don't even know if he's still alive. And after he did his show, he gave a talk and he talked about this. He asked the audience. Oh, I'll tell you what, this is brilliant, Mark. Thanks for bringing this up. He asked the audience, how many of you have had a random ridiculous thought that you cannot believe that you've had. And somebody said, well, what do you mean? And he said, who's had a random thought here about, you know, pushing somebody in front of a car or jumping off of a cliff or something? And you felt almost compelled to do it. And nearly everybody there put their hands up. Yes. They're there all the time, Richie. I mean, it's really, really common. And the, the key to all this is knowing when those voices or those thoughts, because they're thoughts really, when those thoughts come into your head, separating your thoughts from these thoughts that come in. And that is a really interesting subject. So I spent years basically getting down to what is a state within the unified field is a way of explaining it. In other words, a base level of consciousness. And that is 
in a very low spectrum. 0 to 4 hertz is the lowest, and that's where you can actually go very deeply into it. But basically, this meditational relaxed awareness means that you're completely aware of any intruding thoughts. And I became aware of that and then quickly realized that there was a battle going on here. But it's not a battle that's going to wear you out. It's a battle of vigilance. And if you're not vigilant to these things, then you can become a victim of them. And that is the key to it. It's this vigilance and knowledge that this is out there. And then you can do something about it. But I described this in many shows with Jerry Marzinski, and I've spoken about it with other people. And it's slightly misunderstood because it tends to get involved then with people who apply kind of new age doctrine to it, which is the opposite of what they should be doing, because it's all down to this base level of awareness. And that I studied for many years with a group who were involved in out of body experiences. And I had many of those. And there's some confusion around that as well. There's another thing called sleep paralysis, a night terrors, they used to call it. But yeah, this can yeah. also be a process because when you're aware that your body's awake and your mind's completely, so your, your body's asleep and your mind's awake, that is the base level of where everything happens. And I think that's the base level of where healing happens. And I think it's the base level of where our awareness is because most people are distracted onto things all the time they can't keep uh, a kind of clear way through it all and that to me is the key to it of knowing when this stuff jumps into your head because i had it a couple of weeks ago i thought oh there it goes something's come in that wasn't my thought you had a random ridiculous thought did you and you knew straight up yeah but it's not ridiculous they're often extremely negative yeah. like you said you know like oh push that person into the road you know, yeah. and you think, where did that come from? Yeah. You're the last person. I mean, the person who would have a thought like that would be the last person that would ever harm, you know, a hair on somebody's head. And yet a, a thought rushes through your mind like that from seemingly from from nowhere. And you've said, before I read a few more comments, because um, it's gone nuts now, the comments, you, sa you said that you've had an out-of-body experience. Before you tell us about that, you too's guitar player, The Edge, I know, I know what Bono is. We, you know I know what Bono is before we say any more. But many, many, many moons ago, before Bill Clinton and George Stephanopoulos got their clothes into Bono, they, they, had, they went to a retreat somewhere, and some lady, who seems to understand some of what, what you understand, she gave The Edge a kind of a head and a neck massage, and he left his body and was able to observe what was going on and hear what was being said from a from a height. And afterwards he was explaining this to Bono and to one of the other members of the band. And she mentioned the term polarities to him, that she was doing something with his polarities by rubbing his temples and the back of his neck. But he had that. Not he wasn't asleep, he was just lying down on the uh on the uh whatever it was, the the, the massage table. Isn't that amazing? And you've experienced this yourself. Well, I don't think it's uncommon, Richie. One in ten people, one in ten people have had this experience. Is it a good experience? So well, this is the thing you see. With me, it was because I was consciously doing it. I had several spontaneous ones, and I'd read a lot of the work of Charles T. Tart, who was a parapsychologist in the sixties, and his work with someone called Robert Monroe, 
who wrote several books on out-of-body experiences. And Munro was a skeptic and he started experimenting with binaural beats. Binaural beats put your brain into different levels of activity or inactivity. And they are a way of entraining the brain into these lower levels of consciousness, which are higher levels in a way because they're just lower frequency. So the lower the frequency, then the the more relaxed um, the awareness is, the higher the frequency, then you can use it for cognitive work, like problem solving. So he, he was doing these experiments with binaural beats and he started having these spontaneous out-of-body experiences and he was able to go to other people's houses and see them and observe them. And he reported all this and it was a big thing, parapsychology. It's been kind of ignored now and everything's gone down to this atheistic, materialistic thing, which is all part of the dumbing down and all part of the wilderness of the mind because this stuff is very, very important and it always has been. So it's also very important in, in the way that people are controlled because when we talk about mind control, it's not it's not people uh, putting things into people's brains with electrodes or, you know, targeting through EMF waves. It's actually a lot simpler than that. The mind controlled is really easy. So to be aware of your own awareness is the key. And that, I think, is what a lot of the priest class in the past were trying to achieve. Um, and the the whole point about the out of body thing is that it's a unique way of basically proving to yourself that there is a very good chance that the consciousness can leave the body yeah. on the point of death. Yeah. And that is the big question that most people have. That's what, what I would think. What happens when you die? Yeah. If it so, happened to me, it would be proof to me that we are energy cannot be you know created nor can it be destroyed that consciousness is infinite so that's what i would take out of that having that experience mark can i read a couple of quick comments i don't want to cut across you sure, there's, yeah, so, there's so many coming in right and many of them are to do with what we've been talking about in the last 15 minutes emma stockwell hi emma lovely to hear from you i've suffered terrible sleep paralysis in my younger years it's really frightening and it does feel almost uh, demonic, says Emmett. There's another one on that as well. Um, somebody who describes themselves as High Richie, they put a message through the app, they've given themselves the name High Richie, has said the same thing, seeing themselves from above regularly while in bed. That's really interesting, that. Yes. Uh, Kelly says this, um, used to get bad sleep paralysis when she was young, but but suffered chronic alcoholism and believe actually that the darkness was feeding off of me, says Kelly. She was helping. Definitely. That's, that's a, a good point, Richie. Yeah. With alcoholism and drugs, it's the entity that's enjoying this process. They're feeding off it. There is a very well-known book about somebody who joined the American air force, private Richie, I think his name was. And yeah. he wrote this short book, I can't remember the title, but if you look up Private Richie's Out-of-Body Experience, it will probably come up. And he was taken ill in this U.S. Air Force base. He just signed up. It was like conscription, I think. They had to do their national service. And, and he was very, very ill to the point of death, and he left his body. And interestingly, he was able to go around this base and observe people, and he ended up going into the bar, and he could see his friends 
getting drunk, as they drunk more and more alcohol, he could see these entities, these spirits, ready to jump into their bodies. And when they got really drunk, these things jumped in, which explains a lot of why people go completely crazy completely on alcohol. Completely nuts, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because but there are... The sleep paralysis thing is, is a real thing. I mean, I, I need to separate these two things because there is this relaxed awareness, and that's not really sleep paralysis, but it is catatonic within the body and people who get into that state can start to panic so you start a panic and go i can't move i can't move and that just makes it worse but there is another thing that happened to me once not not um related to the out of body experience which i always found i was very cognitive i was it was more real than than the reality that we're in at the moment um, the awareness and the things that i reported back to other people were true and that was fascinating. But I did get a demonic attack one night and I was in this state of catalepsy, which I'd got myself into and I couldn't move. And my energy was being sucked out of me by this entity. And it, I could see it in front of me. And I and I eventually got rid of it. But it was trying to suck me in. So if I'd have if I'd have gone with that, it, it could have jumped into me and. That is something that is so fascinating and it's so beyond people's everyday experience that they they would probably deny that to be yeah. possible. But I think, well, I know it is possible. So that's what I like to explore because we are in a battle of vigilance, really. And it doesn't have to be hypervigilance. You just have to be aware of this stuff. And... And it actually does you a lot of good. It it sort of gets you out of tricky situations as well. You you can kind of it's almost like it, not so much intuition because that, everyone's got that, but it's a bit beyond intuition. It's almost like you can be delivered from things that are incredibly dangerous because that's happened to me quite a lot. And I thought, how did that happen? That was going in one direction only, which was possible death, and I've kind of been delivered from it. And that, that to me is, is fascinating. Oh, it's more than fascinating. Mark Windows is our guest. Mark has been speaking about this on recent shows, Banishing Demonic Entities. Check it out. WindowsOnTheWorld.net is the website. But you'll find the videos on YouTube as well. He's got thousands of subscribers on YouTube. Get on there and uh, listen to these podcasts, these interviews. Really, really interesting. Can I read a couple yeah, more quick comments? Uh, Richie called Demons Are Real. And it's, it's basically an article with all the interviews in. And there's a latest one that's on the homepage at winnersontheworld.net. But that's where they all are. And those are fascinating because we're exploring the whole subject. And with Jerry Marzinski's experience, it's really essential listening because there's nothing vague about what we're talking about. This is a system that is operating. It is like an operating system. So once you know how it works then you can be aware of the traps that you can fall into. Really good. I, I, I remember over the years being an Irishman, hearing really lovely people, and of course I never thought anything of this, really lovely people saying things like, um, I'm grand like until I have a few whiskeys. And then, you know, and then I've worked as, same as yourself, I've worked as nightclub DJ. I've seen the most extraordinary things as a nightclub DJ. I've seen people behave in ways. And of course, when you do it in a city where you grew up, you tend to know people. And you'll see people doing things and you think, what's happened to him there? 
why is he, you know, he looks possessed. That, that's the term we would use. We, we would say, yeah. God, he was possessed, throwing chairs at people. And later on, the guy would say, you know, very contrite, like the following day, when, 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 when he's back to himself, Asher Jesus, the whiskey, sure, I'm, I'm a demon on the whiskey. But it's not the whiskey. Isabel says the book Well, it is, wasn't him. It wasn't, wasn't him. him doing it. The book is yeah. Return from Tomorrow, is the book that you were speaking about there, uh, says That's Isabel. the one. That's the one. You should read that if you're interested in this kind of subject, definitely. Yeah. 100%. Richard says he was in a Christian Brothers, good God, boarding school in Tullow when he was 12. They took him to the Cliffs of Moher for a day tour with all the other kids. We were on the big shelf at the edge of the cliff, and I was being told in my head to go to the edge mad. Another voice was telling me to get away because they were going to throw me off. This was all in my mind but I was holding on to the bank about 20 feet away from the edge. I could feel my body being dragged to the edge. I never forgot the feeling. It's just what you yeah, were talking Yeah, that's really common. I've had that on high buildings. Jesus. You know, but it's the fascinating thing is the awareness of it and then you can think, well actually, that wasn't me. And then you can kind of reverse any possible incoming negative influence. And, and that's what I've been really fascinated by because I know somebody who was demonically possessed in a, in a way that was just horrendous. I mean, it was very, very serious. And what had possessed this person was definitely a very strong demonic entity. Life and then I learned life. how they operate. I mean, these things gaslight you. They... They basically, they're consistently negative in the voices. The voices are always consistently negative. And sometimes they'll even masquerade as something really good right. before they turn negative. So they get the, the person hooked and they think they've got a spirit guide and then it starts to go downhill. And I've seen that as well. You've seen this up close. Do these entities answer to something else? Are they well? Basically, they hate anything to do with good. They hate anything to do with laughter. They hate laughter. They hate ridicule. They hate to be ridiculed because they are very insecure. They're kind of hateful beings. And the the thing is that if you're aware of what these voices, people can actually counteract these voices because they can ridicule them. And that's what Jerry has been doing. He had this program, a lady called Sherry Swiney, Sherry Sweeney, she, she put out this program, it's called That's a Lie. So whenever these negative voices were coming into her head, because she was abused as a child, and she started hearing voices as a very young child, and it took her a long time to get over this. And she developed this program of basically, whenever these negative voices were coming in like you're worthless look at you they, these things richie they have access to the whole of your memory that's the really strange thing so they can pull up things from the past that you wouldn't even remember and they can ridicule you and it'll come into your mind and, bring and she you down. was consistently saying that's a lie that's a lie and it worked in her case and i think that these things are extremely useful to know here's a couple of really interesting comments um, people say, I don't know what got into me when they do yes. crazy stuff, number one. And a number of people have mentioned that we do refer to strong alcohol and liqueur as spirits. Exactly. It comes from alcohol, which means spirits. 
this is great Arabic. stuff. It's yeah. great and it's great and it's 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 kind of concerning as well. Here here's one for you. On 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 everything has an opposite. Devi. Thanks, Devi. This is a great question for Mark. Are there angels entities then that could help people as opposed to the demons? Are beings of light or entities of light, are they a reality? Yes. And the thing is that with a lot of new age practices, people are mistaking demons for angels and that is something that is quite prevalent and that's what i was talking about but it does seem to work when you call on these higher guardian angels they will intervene but you have to ask so you have to ask for help basically and if you're under attack under psychic attack ask for help but you have to really mean it to be assistance from very high functioning entities yes there is a duality going on and a lot of people don't want to believe that but i've seen it and i've had to experience it and yes definitely another thing that jerry found was that these things hate the 23rd psalm so that's really interesting too because what is going on is a kind of program to get rid of religion which has power so in other words when we talk about christianity people think of the catholic church or they think of dogma well think of philosophy and what was behind this original way this original truth that was there because once you strip it away you find that this stuff is at the core of what this is actually about it's really a battle and I don't like to use the light and dark, but that's what it is. It is. It is definitely that. And I think that knowing about this stuff can help you in practical ways as well, because you start to see more. You can start to see it in other people and become acutely aware that there's something wrong with this person. There's something wrong with what they're saying. And yes, I would say that a lot of the world leaders are under this type of control. The puppets, that is. They are under negative control because they've let themselves be so this this to me is key because there is a philosophy that if enough havoc is re is wreaked on the earth then this messiah will intervene and this this is completely misguided thinking but there are people actually channeling this stuff down onto the planet eleanor says this i wholeheartedly agree with mark about demons and alcoholism Having lived with an alcoholic for 15 years, I've seen it clearly. We call it invasion of the body snatchers. The person becomes someone else. The shape of their face even changes. And in Eleanor's opinion, when alcoholics try to kill themselves, what they are trying to do really is to kill the demon. Yes, they're trying to release themselves from it because it becomes unbearable. So what these things do is they torture the person until it becomes unbearable. And... They don't really want to kill the, end, the, the host, but they want the host to suffer and they want the host to be absolutely under their control and absolutely degraded. They don't seem to be able to do anything positive. And these things are, I suppose they're the demons that were cast down. We can go into all that, the biblical stuff. These stories do seem to have something in that these evil spirits were prevalent in Babylon I've got a book actually called Evil Spirits of Babylon, 
And they strongly believed this. They strongly believed that this was happening. And yes, when you get adept at this, you can see people who've got attachments. You can see it on their face. Their faces change. And it's called facial clairvoyance. And I did this experiment many years ago with a teacher. And we got this energy field going. It sounds all abstract, but basically what you're doing is you're protecting yourself with your own energy. And then she looked down and we turned the light off, basically. She said this light on her face. I could see entities snapping onto her face, not just appearing slowly, but actually things projecting on her face, going bang, bang, bang. bang. And I was really freaked out by this. And I don't know where what they were or where they came from. I've got a pretty good idea. But these things can manifest. And it appears that people can consciously make them manifest, which is where all this stuff about magic and demonology came from, because people messing about with it are making it absolutely 10 times worse for themselves and everybody else. The Ouija board is a dangerous thing, isn't it? It's come up on the program before. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of lower dimensional stuff. I did all yeah. that when I was younger. And what we'd found was that all of these things that contacted you lied about who they were. Yeah. They all lied about everything they said. Nothing they said could be taken as the truth. So I think these troublesome spirits, these lower dimensional things, they're not demons, but they are entities. And ghosts are similar things because ghosts are basically, they're people who don't want to move on or can't move on. So that's why you get say, lots of ghosts in pubs, because they're people who sat at the bar all their life and they didn't want to leave. They right. can't go anywhere else because they don't they don't have the ability. And a lot of this is about going through life and and refining this stuff so that when you die, you can move on. And I think that's a big part of it as well. It's it's kind of a way of development because people who are stuck will be stuck when they're trying to move on that that seems to be it seems to be in the order of things that that happens because i read a book a couple of years ago actually and it was not an uncommon phenomenon but somebody had gone to the stage of being pronounced dead and they were still alive actually but they'd been pronounced dead but they reported because of the drugs they'd been put on they were going through a really dark place and they were trying to get out of it and because they were aware that they were in this dark place, they could get out of it. But some people aren't aware. Say you've been blown up or something or you've, you've been killed in an accident. People don't know they've died. I mean, that sounds ridiculous. But some people seem to be stuck. And I found that fascinating. Too. I find it really fascinating. I read a book yeah. about I read a book about that particular subject years ago, about people not wanting to, to move on and not even being aware of it. Richard from Harrow has been in touch. He's had some ex-girlfriends and partners who've said, all independent of one another, that they saw a lady next to his bed holding his hand. His mother believes it might be her sister, his aunt, who died a year before he was born, protecting him. Yeah, that's... And, and, and if three or four different women have seen this over the years, you, you can't dismiss it as 
as a, as nothing, protecting. And yeah, it could be like like Mark said, you know, reluctance to move on. Before you have another say on this, we're just about to run out of time, and I want to ask you to talk about your talks, which are coming up uh, here in the UK. Yeah, when you do have a bit of time in a few weeks' time, when you're back on your travels and you do have an evening. Let's get into this again from the Bible. Oh, I'd love to, Richie. Oh, and absolutely. And prepare yeah. some information yeah. so we can get into the depth of it because we're kind of skipping the surface here. We are, might we are, yeah. A kind of slightly wrong idea about what I'm saying because the, you have to go into the the whole philosophy of it, really, because it's, it's quite deep. And, of course, people like Emmanuel Swedenborg were very much into all this. And it, it can get ex- extremely complicated to people who are just kind of just jumping in the deep end, you know. Yeah, I know we will. And um, look, it's fired up the imagination of our listeners who are into it. Look, I've I've been criticised over the years for not really exploring this enough. You know, I've done the hard news, and especially the last three years with everything that's been going on. So, um, yeah, I'm really keen to, to explore more of this, Mark, no doubt about that. Before we do run out of time, before Mark uh, talks about the talks even, or um, speaks about where he's going to be, uh, windowsontheworld.net, the website, get on there, and you'll find Mark on YouTube as well, Windows on the World on YouTube, do check him out and do subscribe to him there, and do support him as well, it's very important. So then, in the two minutes we have left, my friend, um, where will you be speaking? Well, down in Devon to start with, and that's this weekend, the 14th, which is the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 14th, 15th, 16th, in Newton Abbott. The venue is two minutes walk from Newton Abbott Station, and it's going to be a small group. So basically, we've got a few tickets left, and I'm going to be talking about whatever people want to talk about. We called it Coffee Talk. It was actually put on by a friend of mine, and we've got this little venue And I thought it'd be really good rather than me getting up, just talking and doing lectures. I've done all that. I'm kind of done with it. So the people who are aware of what I do would be interested to get onto different subjects. And I've got no actual agenda of what I'm going to talk about. I've got a good idea of things I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about things that accompany the shows and experiences and anecdotes and probably some funny stories and some input from people so that we can get some really interesting conversations going. Because, yeah, it's time to do something a bit different rather than just going around doing talks, because I think everything has really been said. It's on the website. And people, I think, want something a little bit different now. No doubt about it. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to do that. But I wanted to do a screening of the Heretics film as well, which I will announce. And I've got a lot of information that I'd like to put into a talk with that. But this weekend is going to be the 14th, 15th and 16th in Newton Abbott, two minutes from Newton Abbott station. Email me at info at windows on the world.net and I can try and get you on the list uh, if you'd like to come down. And I think it will be really enjoyable because to me, this is a learning experience now as well. Listen, info, What's the, what's the email address again? Info at windowsontheworld.net for more information. Yeah, if you go to windowsontheworld.net, you can just contact us through the website. Hey, thanks for your time today, pal. It's great to catch up with you again. Spare a thought for me having to write the show notes on this episode of the programme. <laughs> 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 what am I going to write? We talked about so much, but uh, no, it's been brilliant, mate. And uh, thanks for your time. Good to, to have you back in the country before you set sail again. Windowsontheworld.net. And to find out more about Newton Abbott, go... Uh, and send Mark an email, info at windowsontheworld.net. Thanks as always, buddy. Can't wait for the next time. 
That's great, Richie. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. Mark Windows. Wasn't that brilliant? It's Lou Boy as well. Uh, Windowsontheworld.net. You'll find all of the information Mark discussed there. Go and watch the YouTube videos and the podcast as well. Top man he is. Great to have him back on uh, the programme. Thanks to you for your messages, Legion. I don't know if this app thing is going to survive very, very long. Holy God. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try and do a quick... Through the app alone, must be 150 messages came into the programme through the app alone. And uh, no shortage of messages coming through uh, the website too. Uh, hi to Dave, the nurse. Uh, he's just gone, Dave, so sorry about that. I can't put that question to him. Uh, Patrizia says, to protect you from devils and entities, may I suggest always having an invisible shield around you. And that invisible shield is God, uh, says Patrizia. Christopher says, if the Chinese people fight back, uh, there is hope for us. Maybe. Um, hi to Chris Morell, who says, I think this conversation is like the germ versus terrain theory of treatment. Those who have what is described as hypermania or schizophrenia are told they have a chemical imbalance in the brain and are given heavy sedatives, which really just poison and dull their senses. The talking cure or self-exorcism is the much more holistic and ultimately more effective way as uh, says Chris. Thank you, Chris, for that there. Listen, thanks for all of your messages today. I really appreciate them. I'm back with you tomorrow, Thursday. Um, before I tell you about tomorrow, Thursday... To all the listeners who have become loyal customers of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last year, we would like to say a big thank you. Because of your continued support, we have been able to introduce our second product. This unique supplement is formulated specifically to reduce pain caused by joint inflammation. Our organic turmeric-based supplement contains a substantial amount of the active ingredient curcumin, as well as a black pepper extract which massively increases its bioavailability and thereby reaching the inflamed area faster. If you are suffering from joint pain, go to NutraHealth365.com for specific details on how our joint health supplement can help give you relief. That's NutraHealth365.com with free tracked delivery. NutraHealth365.com Eamon Blaney, top man, supporting the independent media. If you want a healthy supplement, go to Eamon, nutrahealth 365 Dot com. Listen, tomorrow we're doing a phone-in. I'll be taking your telephone calls and your Skype calls tomorrow on the programme. All of the details will be posted to the usual social media channels and I will give them to you at the start of the programme. So phone-in programme tomorrow. We'll have a good chat to you and I. And then I am away uh, for a week, okay, for, for spring break, which I do every year. And when I come back... The week I am back, the cameras will be turned on in the studio and this programme will be streaming on Rumble. But we, we will embed the stream on richieallen.co.uk. Okay, so you'll be able to watch it as well. That definitely will happen. It's just taken a bit longer to sort out than I had anticipated. So you'll be able to watch this bloody thing if you like and that will be the week I come back. So I'm with you tomorrow. Phone in. We'll have a bit of the crack, bit of a chat and then I am away until a week on Sunday. And that's the way it is, my April uh, week, which I take every year. And when I'm back, you've got me till basically the middle of August. So there you are. Thank you to Mark Windows. Brilliant. Top man. Loved it. Really fascinating. I look forward to catching up with Mark next time. Thank you for listening and for all your messages during the programme. Doesn't work without you. Your questions are more intelligent 
and more succinct than mine when it comes to many subjects, including the ones we were speaking about earlier on. Look after yourselves and one another, closing out the programme with the Hooters. This is Satellite. Until tomorrow at 5 from your BBG, it's good night then. <laughs>